Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Money FM 89.3. Good evening. It is time for Sports Minutes with Elliot Danka and Ziaul Raushan. Uh, we start with a question, uh, Raushan, and this is on the back of some Champions League results. When is it time to cut your losses? I think to bring it back to the football headline for a team like PSG, when you try 11 times to conquer the continent <laughs> and you fail, it's about time you, you cut your losses and realise the $1 billion investment by the Qataris thus far is perhaps not really working. Ooh, uh, so is it time to rip up the project? That's the title of a lot of headlines we're seeing on various uh, sports networks saying that, you know, maybe it's time to, to, as you mentioned, it's not working out. You have stars like uh, Neymar, Kylian Mbappe, Lionel Messi. Most of the time, they're just walking around. Hey, you do the work, pass it to us, and then we'll score the goals. Exactly. I think it's a problem of realising that this model doesn't work. But to your point about ripping up a project, right, it requires so much gumption to put your foot down, realise that I'm going to take the criticism on board and go back to the drawing board. I think this transcends the world of sport, right? We've seen it world over where there are certain entities or certain countries even that need a fresh start, but there's no one with so much gumption to come in and carry it out because it's such a massive undertaking to accept that you've got it wrong and you're going to try again. Okay, so you got to recognise the point where criticism is coming. Is this constructive? Can you accept it? You know, it's come to a point where dominating Liga means nothing to PSG anymore. But they've got bigger issues if you're if you're going to start from scratch, right? Do you keep Gatier, the current coach? Uh, what are you going to do with the Akraf Hakimi situation? He's been accused of rape. Mm. You've got another issue where the president, uh, Nasser Al Khalafi, was implicated in kidnapping and uh, torturing. Uh, so an investigation is currently ongoing. This event allegedly took place in Qatar in 2020. Uh, could be a reason why they're looking at Manchester United. What kind of implications are going to go there? That's probably one of the reasons why the deal seems to have stalled. So this entire Paris... I mean, they've probably got, what, at least a thousand players in Paris who can be a part of the project, where you keep just one superstar. You would think, you would think perhaps they then need to relook at their model and try and push into the suburbs of Paris a little more and bring in talent there and then have one centre focus of the team and then build it around it. That possibly would be a solution. And I think a fair accusation with the Paris Saint-Germain players that you mentioned, the likes of Neymar, the likes of Mbappe, who's been given basically so much power at the club as a young teenager. Like a co-owner Exactly. And Lionel Messi. Are these players there just for a good paycheck? and not really invested in the project. And that's why your suggestion of perhaps looking at Parisian talent means they are more invested in that whole ideology of making Paris Saint-Germain the pinnacle of European football. It's going to be tough, though, uh, if they're going to do this. I mean, you look at uh, the Spurs situation, we were talking about this off-air, where for the longest time... Probably as long as his contract, Antonio Conte has been constantly uh, put into this discussion as to, is he the person to take uh, Tottenham Hotspurs forward? I mean, he never stays on at a club more than two, three years. Yeah, certainly the track record suggests he doesn't buy into a project as much and he's proven that way at Spurs. But with Spurs, they have a chairman called Daniel Levy who is not afraid of making the difficult decisions. This is a guy who sacked Jose Mourinho one week before the League Cup final and 
okay, Spurs didn't go on to win that final, but he stands by his decisions. Yep. Similarly with Conte, project hasn't worked out. And Spurs, maybe not Qatari level of investment, but they've invested a lot of money, not just in the playing squad, but a new stadium yeah. and various different things of the Spurs ecosystem yeah. that Levy realises, look, this Conte project is not working out for us. It's not giving me good PR. It's not giving me good results. Harry Kane might leave. So there are problems at the club and he's addressed it head on by most categorically coming out and saying we are not going to follow through with Conte, which I have massive respect for. Yeah, it's still a little unconfirmed as as to whether they're going to extend or not extend Conte's uh, contract. But at the moment, it looks like it's not going to happen. I like some of the things you pointed out there, right? And and you start to categorise them yourselves and you've got individual coaches like Jose Mourinho, Antonio Conte, get them two, three years, they'll win you something. Mm. And that's about it. And then you have project type of coaches like uh, Pochettino, Gautier maybe, Eric Ten Hag. And it's the same with players. You have your individual players that are just out for glory, right? Cristiano Ronaldo maybe. And there are those that are willing to do the dirty work and be part of the club. So this whole ecosystem, when you say start from scratch, it's Manchester City level, you know. Exactly. And to your point, you mentioned the various coaches who bring about the project, the players who might be invested in the project. I want to take an even more macro approach where I think, yes, the manager will set the the standards or set the, the mentality in the team, but that project needs to come from higher-ups, from the management level, where, take Arsenal as an example. Yeah. It came from a management level where they were going to invest in young players and give Ateta the time and fully back him. That vision came not just from the money men at the club, but from people who are capable of making decisions. I think Edu is one of the chairmen at that yeah. club as well. So he has an Arsenal interest at heart, but he also has the business and tactical acumen to put the right people in the right places. And overall, if, if you align your vision with a manager... We know the lifespan of a manager in this day and age especially is not very long. So it could have to change your vision every three years. Manchester United is a classic example. Mm, Going mm, through mm. so many managers and the vision continuously changing Mm. as opposed to if... From a day-to-day perspective, if our boss comes in and sets a vision Mm. and then we execute the vision, it will be two-way communication where we tweak the vision along the way but the destination is essentially the same. So Mm. I think... That way, the, the 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 idea of what you're working towards needs to come not just from players or managers, but from the ma- the executive level, the yeah. boards of these clubs. Yeah, people don't need to... Not everyone... I mean, I'm not going against freedom of speech here, but there's some situations that really... We don't need your contribution... Exactly. ...at whatever lower level you're at. It has to come from the top. I've been in a situation where a friend of mine who, who's a big boss asked, you know, what should I do in this particular scenario? I said, cut your losses. Mm. And he said, well, Elliot will suffer so suffer mm. Mm. through that you build and you're you're working towards that common thing everyone that's suffering together is suffering for that common thing and you'll get there exactly you can't have the rainbow without a bit of rain right yeah. you got to have the gumption to look look at singapore as an example to sound very poetic we came from nothing to where we are today because all those years ago our founding father was willing to take it on the chin and say this is what i believe in and we are going to work towards it and to answer the bigger question it's about taking criticism on board and using it for good. I Mm. think if you can channel it to 
fan your flames, then at least you will be onto something. So uh, I want to bring back a point that you brought up right at the start of it, right? It's, it's about knowing when that time is where the criticism is coming in and can you accept that criticism? And this is in reference to a, a headline that came out overnight. Uh, Lewis Hamilton says that Mercedes did not listen to his advice regarding the 2023 climb. We saw at the Bahrain Grand Prix, they're already suffering. Yeah, we've seen in the past couple of years, Mercedes are suffering. And when your number one driver, Lewis Hamilton, a man who has seven, seven world titles, titles come on, comes out and gives you advice, perhaps it's time you sit up and listen. But it does reek of, I think it's easier to listen to advice and listen to each other in a positive situation. Yeah. When it's a bit negative, you're like, you or don't defensive. know. Exactly. And when you're on the back foot, you're not going to take it. And it seems like this Lewis Hamilton quote, suggests that all is not well at Mercedes because they've had, to your point, a very difficult opening weekend in Formula 1. And chances are, yes, Red Bull were always going to be a dominant force. But to see a lesser team like Aston Martin make the gains they have, it must really have so much impact on the Mercedes psyche going into the rest of the year. You know, just because veterans are there don't mean they're there to make the numbers if you're if you're going to hire a veteran in your company uh, to use his experience or her experience as a leadership factor then not asking you to put them on a pedestal but uh, there is a certain amount of uh, clout or credit that you need to give Uh, just to quote Lewis Hamilton I've driven so many cars in my life I know what a car needs I know what a car doesn't need I think it's really all about accountability here here I think he makes absolute sense and you look at this Mercedes car They've gone for extreme different model yeah. or design compared yeah. to the rest of the grid, yeah. trying to, pun fully intended, reinvent the wheel. Yeah, but it yeah, hasn't yeah. worked out that way. So that's the point I think Lewis is trying to drive, drive home, mm. that yes, we are looking for gains because in Formula 1, the gains are so marginal, but it doesn't mean you have to do... Comp- something completely out of the box and then you look a bit foolish if it doesn't work out as Mercedes look now. Yeah, so, you know, accepting... I mean, for him, because he's world champion, he's Lewis Hamilton, who are we to compare ourselves to him, right, for all he's accomplished? But when he comes out and speaks this way... And Toto Wolff, the the boss at uh, Mercedes, um, has a good relationship with him. What goes through his mind right now? I mean, this is criticism in public. Yeah, I would love to be. <laughs> I would love to be part of that group chat with yeah. Toto Wolff, George Russell, and Lewis Hamilton. Thinking, why have you gone out and say this is the last thing we need? But maybe Lewis is hoping for a galvanizing effect. Almost like, look, I tried to keep this within four walls, tried to explain my stance as a world champion. Why not take my advice? But here I am. His contract is up in the air as well. So perhaps he's forcing home the point that respect my seven world titles and listen to me. Then perhaps you can go in the same direction. How many people can be humble about feedback, Uh, whether it's constructive? I mean, again, to quote uh, Hamilton, uh, he continues to say it's about owning up and saying, yeah, you know what? We didn't listen to you. It's not where it needs to be. We've got to do some work. Yeah, I think humility is keenly tied to taking on constructive it's criticism. It's a bit of a problem, right? We all have pride. It, it, we all want to feel like we're experts and we're all very defensive about keeping our jobs. Of course, of course. I think I think that's almost second nature to yeah, most humans, yeah. right? It's that survival instinct kicks in and you're, you're there thinking you're fighting your fight. But I think that's why, again, I go back to my point that leadership needs to come from someone who can be objective and I think that's what sets out the normal people from the superhumans. Okay, trying to be funny here. <laughs> I don't know why I keep doing this to you. Do you think... Uh, here we go. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, sports people yeah. or, or people who are active or even almost at a semi-pro level are better at taking criticism versus academic people? 
I think to answer Careful, your, I, I, you're, gonna, you're gonna offend half the population there <laughs> Well keep listening Because I'll try to be fair Actually I'm the I, one I, Offending I, half the population With that question To answer your question I, The reason I think Sports people deal with Criticism slightly better Is yeah. only because They are exposed to it Much more If you play a sport Of tennis for example You don't have A hundred percent perfect yeah. game You're bound to make A mistake For a set For one one rally So you 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 realise that You want to bounce back From that mistake Same for football It's a 90 minute game You can make Three passes astray But if you make 17 right passes You are learning From your bad passes To go better That's what I'm thinking With yeah. academic people I guess you can argue They do put themselves To the test When they take an exam of Or course, something like that of course. But the frequency of it Can be slightly different And therefore Perhaps that 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 understanding that I'm going to come back stronger from this is a little different. And especially if you play team sport, I guess, you are more accepting that all your teammates are pulling in the same direction because for football, 90 minutes, you're scoring the same goal. Mm. You're all pushing towards the same direction. It's it's objectively in front of you, you can see. It's it's a goal, literally. (laughs) Exactly. With with work, it's a bit more intangible. You don't really see it. And obviously, in the background, there are going to be underlying currents that make things difficult to completely pull in the same direction. Uh, Formula 1 is a great example. You have one team with two drivers, both with their own vested interests. Hundreds of engineers. Exactly. Gosh. Exactly. And even the setup of the cars... If Lewis Hamilton prefers a certain way and George Russell prefers a certain way, you're inclined to listen to Lewis. But if you put all your eggs in Lewis's basket and he's wrong, what's going to happen? So it's really, again, I, I think it boils down to good leadership. You know, and a lot of leaders and all smart people, and again, this is, I'm not trying to offend anyone, please don't get me wrong, but but there is always this notion in today's day and age, or the data suggests this, mm. I agree, but data will never trump that moment of instinct. So 17 bad shots I'm giving, and mm. you will tell me my data, you had 17 bad shots. Yeah, but did you see that one good shot? Yeah. And, and that's, you know, Tiger Woods would argue this, it's that one good shot that I'm trying to replicate. Some things can't, academic books don't teach you yeah. this. It's intuitive, it's gut, and yeah. you have to go by it. And I think, to your point, that's why the data, the science can prove certain things, but it's nothing like being there, doing that, and understanding it for yourself. So you want from PSG uh, to wow. menu. Uh, I'll take Mbappe. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.